Greetings and welcome to episode number 14 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. Your host, David Zwart, here with you and a super special guest. It's taking all of my effort right now not to geek out and climb across the table because sitting here with me is the bass player to my number one favorite band of all time who just happens to be a big Florida Panthers fan. Joining me on the podcast today is Ian Brushka from the band Newfound Glory. Ian, thank you so much for sitting down with me, my friend. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. So Ian and I met at a recent Panthers game, and we just got to talking about his background and how hockey has kind of been a big part of your life, even though you aren't from South Florida. So the, um, the first thing I want to ask you is just like, you're from New York. I know you grew up uh, an Islanders fan and then became a Devils fan. And then you came to South Florida. Interesting adjustment from a hockey fan's perspective, especially this was what, in the 90s, right? Yeah, we didn't have a team down here yet. So you got to watch the Panthers grow as as a young hockey fan, I suppose. And then after growing up, following such, you know, like a historic team like the Islanders, and then the Devils had a bit of success at that time. Interesting, interesting shakeup to start rooting for the Panthers. Yeah, well, it uh, for me, it started at a young age. We would go to a lot of Islander games in New York. And the way I was raised, it was like, you're an Islanders fan and, and you just hate the Rangers. Yeah. And it's not it's not a matter of, hating the players because even now there's players on the rangers that i'm like oh man he's pretty cool but it's like just the look of that jersey it's like (laughs) i just i just don't like it so i was uh i was an islanders fan growing up and we would go to a lot of uh islanders devils games um and they had goal magazine there which my dad would always buy us a copy of and it always had a player from the opposing team on there and i guess we would go to a lot of devils games because it was always kirk muller on the cover so I just became a big fan of Kirk Muller um, and then slowly made the transition to just being a Devils fan. So I was a Devils fan for quite a long time. And then we uh, I remember one year we went to like sleepaway camp for the whole summer. So we were gone for like eight weeks. And while we were in camp, my parents just packed up and moved from New York to Florida. So we got called to the front and they're like, hey, we just wanted to let you know when camp's over, we have a plane ticket for you to go to Florida because your family moved. So, what? so How we, old were you when this happened? Uh, this was, I was nine years old. <laughs> so oh we went God. to summer camp and then moved to Florida. So we never like said goodbye to anyone. Well, that's got to be so hard for a little kid. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was. But I mean, uh, I'm very thankful that we did move down here because I probably would have never, I'd be a different person if I was still right. in New York. Um, so when I came down here, there was no, there was no hockey. I remember, uh, when we first came down, we were staying in sunrise, um, or like Tamarack sunrise, that, that area where they used to have like the only ice skating rink down here. So I remember just going a lot to, you know, ice skate over there, even though I'm not very good and can't balance so well. <laughs> um, so that was kind of as close as you would get to hockey down here at that point. Cause there was no team. Then uh, I remember when they were talking about having the expansion team, there was a uh, like a kind of like a preseason game down here. Um, it was the Kings versus the Rangers in uh, Miami, I think Miami Arena. So my family brought us to that game, which I still have the program for it upstairs, um, which is pretty awesome. Um, that was like the first kind of taste of hockey that we got down here before we wound up getting the Panthers. Did you, uh, back in the day, did you get to go to any of the games when the team was like, you know, when they went on their playoff run and they went to the finals and they, you know, they had those a few really good years before things went south. But did you get to go to any of the games where there was really hyped up down here? 
I did not go to any of the playoff games, although we did. We used to go to games. Miami's a little bit further, so we wouldn't go to as many games as we wanted to. Um, but we did go to games from time to time. Um, and at that point, um, I was still a Devils fan. Um, so it was just a matter of, you know, balancing between being a kid and not having your own car and not having a ride to get there. You just right. kind of have to sit back and wait until your parents are like, hey, we're going to the game. <laughs> um, but we did go to a few games down there. Um, more so when my brother, my brother was uh, an intern for the Panthers for a year. Um, that's when I started kind of getting into collecting like the game used stuff. And it was a little more exciting for me because Kirk Muller had become a Panther. Um, my brother got me a Kirk Muller autograph stick. So um, that was pretty awesome. I feel like that's when I started going to more games when he was able to get the tickets for us and right. the team was a little closer. And that kind of started your collections. I mean, just, you know, looking around your, your, I don't want to call this a man cave, or you've got a pretty extensive collection of memorabilia, and it's not just hockey either. It, it's pretty impressive, I will say. Yeah, so what started off me liking kind of the game used stuff, I went to, right when we moved down to Florida, I was probably like 9 or 10, we went to uh, Bucky Dent's baseball camp, um, me and my brothers. Um, and the catcher's instructor was this guy, Gary Tuck, at the time, he was a manager in the minor league system for the Astros. And at the end of camp, I asked him for his wristband. And he gave me his Astros wristband, um, which I still have to this day. Um, and that was the first, like, kind of, I don't, I don't know if I would say game used because it was at a camp, but you know what I mean? Yeah, from, like player used. From like, an actual sure. like minor league manager. And at that time, I was an Astros fan. So to me, it was like the biggest thing. See, I also grew up an Astros fan because my dad, when I was growing up, was in uh, Central Florida and Kissimmee, which is where the Astros minor league team was. So we would go to like Osceola Astros games all the time. And, you know, as you like, you were a Devils fan before the Panthers existed. That was I was an Astros fan before the Marlins existed. So it, and as just as you did, I used to chase the players around. I'd try to get baseballs or just whatever I could get my hands on. So it's just kind of funny that now as you know, grown men, it's, it's not as easy to just go up to guys and ask for memorabilia and autographs and stuff, but it's still so much fun to go after it and to collect it. Yeah, that, that's my thing is for me, I would rather have like a game use item that's not autographed rather than having it autographed. I'm not so much into like signed stuff as I, in, as I am just having like a piece of the game. Um, but being from New York, the coolest thing that we ever did was game six of the 1986 World Series where the ball went through Bill Buckner's legs. <laughs> we were at that game. You were at that game at Shea? Yes. Wow. Still have uh, my ticket stub from that game as well. That's, that's history. You talk about being a part of the game. I mean, that's one of those where were you moments. That's yeah. you know, shaped baseball, a big part of the Red Sox story forever. Yeah, and a lot of people don't remember too is that someone parachuted on the field in the middle of that game as well which yep. is pretty awesome being there for that as well. Like purposely or just some guy did it? Uh, like, purposely. Okay. I remember there was, I don't know if it was a Tyson fight or there was a fight uh, a while back in Vegas where a guy like parachuted into the ring during the middle of the fight and it caused the whole big, you know, kerfuffle and everybody's freaking out. So 
you know, crazier things that were done, especially back then when there weren't the security protocols you have now. Yeah, but obviously the the team didn't know that he was going to do it. The guy definitely got arrested. I oh, mean, okay. So he had planned it. He but... purposely did it. Just it wasn't like the team didn't yeah, plan so, for him to do it. See, that's that's crazy. <laughs> so growing up down here, you know, obviously I want to talk a little bit about your music background. Um, so talk to me about uh, forming your band, New Found Glory. I know you did it when, I guess you were in high school, about those teen years, and you and um, Jordan, your uh, lead vocalist, you guys met at uh, Marjorie Stillman Douglas High School down here, right? So we both went to Douglas, but at, at different times. Okay. So he was a little younger. So I, I was in a local band. He was in a local band. Um, he had just quit his band. What happened was he accidentally tripped over a guitar cable and broke their guitar player's Les Paul guitar, which is, you know, a couple grand. Yeah. Um, and he got scared and couldn't afford to fix it. So he quit that band. <laughs> we had a friend in common that was like, hey, I know you're going to kick the singer out of your band. I know this other guy that like plays guitar and sings. So he kind of introduced us and we we had known each other just from like being friends with other local bands and like hanging out at like friends practices and stuff. Um, so he started jamming with my band and then me and him started writing songs together and we kind of wanted to change the name of the band and the style of music and the other guys kind of didn't want to do it. So basically the whole band quit. So then it was just me and Jordan and he's like, I don't want to play guitar and sing anymore. I just want to sing. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well we have a bass player and a singer. And that's kind of, we just found friends and uh, filled the gaps. And that's kind of where the band started. What would you say like your first break was? Like what, what kind of got you from being just like a, a Coral Springs band, you know, garage band to, you know, becoming what you are? I would think for me, I always, I always used to hang out with bands. So at a younger age, um, basically I used to smoke a lot of marijuana when I was younger, right? Um, so I would bring some with me to shows and I'd go by myself and try to hang out with bands. That's it's a very how, social drug. Yeah. So at the time, that's how I would meet bands. And then I would sit there and talk to them like, how did you guys make it? And everyone would give me the same answer. You got a tour. So I knew the only way to make it as a band, you can't sit and depend on anyone else. You just have to tour and build a fan base. Um, so... I knew from the beginning, I told the guys, listen, we got to tour as much as we possibly can. But coming from someone that had quit college, that was working at a bagel store, talking to people that have like Cyrus had like a um, scholarship to University of Miami for med school. You know what I mean? Wow. Our, our singer was in like art school. Our guitar player, Chad, was still at high school. Um, so me telling them, hey, we just got to drop everything and tour wasn't easy to do. Um, but I think in the beginning, right when our album Nothing Go Could Stay came out, um, Cyrus, our drummer, had passed around our demo and he got us, uh, he happened to get us four shows opening for MXPX in Florida. So we played these four shows, um, you know, at a thousand plus people a show and every show we would sell like a hundred CDs, 150 CDs. So I knew I'm like, man, we have something going here. And if we can just play in front of people, I know that people will like our band. Um, so we spent a lot of time like on the internet, they have like compilation CDs where you'd pay money to get one of your songs on a compilation with other bands. Right. And then once they pressed it, you'd get like, 30 copies of it and you could sell those copies to make your money back. So we spent a lot of time doing that. 
Um, and then those MXPX shows, once we played those four shows, I, I quit my job right after that. I'm like, we're going to do this. No more bagels. No more bagels. <laughs> so I remember I quit. My dad like took my car away. Like, but I just knew in my heart, I'm like, this, we're going to do it. We just have to, we have to. Um, so after that, we got signed to uh, this small label at the time in California called Drive Through Records. But they had a good distribution deal through like Universal and MCA where you'd have to sign a big deal. I think we signed for like six albums or something like that. But if your band does well, then the major label can pick you up. So we decided, you know what, let's sign to this label. And then I pulled the two people from the label aside and I said, listen, we need to hold this fake meeting where you sit us all down in a room and say, listen, you have to tour right now and strike while the iron's hot or you're not going to make it in this industry. And this was to kind of inspire your bandmates to get out on the road? Yeah, because they wouldn't listen to me. But I knew, I knew that we had something and I knew we just had to play in front of people. That was the only way to do it. So they held this fake meeting. Everyone agreed. Guitar player dropped out of high school. Cyrus's dad said, listen, I'm going to give you two years. If after two years you don't make it, you have to go back to school because you're, you're going to lose your scholarship. Okay. So Cyrus's dad was a heart surgeon and he chose to work at, is it, I think it's Jackson Memorial, the, the hospital in University of Miami's hospital. Is it Jackson? So he, he worked there just so that his kids would get scholarships to school. So he would teach all the people from UM yeah. how to do surgeries, and he did surgery there in return for his kids getting scholarships. So for Cyrus to say, oh, I'm going to be in a punk rock band, right? it was big. But at least he said, oh, I'm giving you two years. I mean, some, some parents may not you know, be that so, uh, receptive to it. So we did those two years. You know, Bands like Less Than Jake would give us tours and Real Big Fish, MXPX. Um, you know, then we would play a lot of hardcore shows with like bands like Snapcase, um, and it just the buzz started to to go from there. Between being on a label out in California, and we started doing really well in New Jersey. I think we're still bigger in New Jersey than we are in South Florida. I've seen you guys at Warp Tour in New Jersey twice. It's it's crazy there. Yeah, it's they, well, mean, they've had that big. I don't know if they still have it, but they have that big outdoor amphitheater that the um, it's like the Tweeter Center or something out there. And I just remember it used to go crazy, like the outdoor shows and the midsummer New Jersey. And oh man, it's just a lot of fun. So it's like we started touring, and we I mean we haven't stopped. There's so many bands that are like, oh, we're we're gonna break up or we're going on a hiatus and this and that, and and we never did. We've just been going nonstop. Obviously, we take small breaks to record albums, but we haven't, we've never been like, oh, we're taking a year off. The only time we get off is like recording an album and waiting for the record cycle to start back up again. That's cool though. And it's interesting that, you know, as a band that's been touring for so long, the whole way that you guys kind of got started is you making that little like, you know, hey, we, we, guys, we need to tour guys. And that's kind of how it started. And the fact that you're still into it and gung-ho about it, uh, it, you know, I think that's really cool. And it's, it's not easy, too. I mean, even starting out, I mean, you have everyone telling you, you're never going to make it. How many bands are out there? Don't waste your time. You're never going to make it. But it's like you have to have faith in yourself and you have to work hard. I mean, we spent so much time on the Internet, I mean, bonding with people and promoting ourselves. And it's like I think the biggest thing how our band is still around is that we're just real people that are in a band. There's never been egos. There's never been, we think we're better than you. We know that without people coming to our shows and supporting our band, I mean, I'd be working in a restaurant. 
I mean, just us sitting here is a prime example of that because we've only known each other at this point. We're recording this for a few weeks. And from the time we met, you've been just, yeah, whatever you want to do, man, let's do this. Let's do that. Talk about hockey. You know, just very outgoing. You know, we met at a Panther game. People were just coming up to you. And it's just really refreshing to see that, you know, even after all these years and, you know, you guys have put out what, like 10 plus out, you know, I think like nine studio albums, live albums, compilations and tours across the country. And, you know, you're still very down to earth, just chilling, willing to sit down at your home and do a podcast with a guy. I feel I feel like it's important because I feel like when push comes to shove, you know, and my band is done and my life is coming towards an end. I want people to look back and remember me. He was a good person. He was a good friend. He was a good father. He was a good husband. The band is, I love my band. I love playing music, but that's not really what I want to be remembered for. Um, so I feel like it's, it's important just to be a real person. I, I say this all the time. Like you go to a hockey game and there's so many people that are kind of sitting up in the front, kind of watching warmups. I mean, if a player looks over and smiles or gives you like a little head nod, it's so easy for them to do, but it goes a long way. Sure. And there, I mean, I wouldn't name names, but there are players that won't even make eye contact. And it's like, I get it that you're in game mode and you're getting ready for the game. I get it. I know what it's like right before walking out onto stage. But it's uh, it's important, like for me, like on stage, people are like, well, why are you always making weird faces on stage? Well, it's because I'm trying to make eye contact with people in the crowd, try to get a smile out of them, try to, <laughs> try to connect with them. You know what I mean? It's like... People go to concerts just like they go to sporting events to kind of escape your regular day life. You know, you don't know what anyone's going through. You could be going through a lot of stuff at home and you go to this hockey game or you go to this concert. That's your way to erase what's going on in your life and just enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just kind of what we've been talking about growing up as a fan, you know, collecting and going to games, concerts like that mentality. It seems like it's really played a part just growing up from the other side of it. You know, as, a, as somebody who's looking through the glass at the players, somebody's looking up on the stage at the at the band. And now you're in that position to kind of pay it forward for all the fans that grew up like you did. Uh, it's it's really cool to hear that because, you know, as we were just saying, like we're both kind of grew up in the same kind of crazy fan mentality. Yeah. So the, the thing is, too, it's like I'm just a fan that's in a band. Right. Everyone on that ice, they're hockey fans before they were players. You know what I mean? They're talented. They worked really hard to get where they are. They deserve everything they have. But at the same point, without that team name on your chest, without that jersey, without those people supporting you, it's like you're you're just a regular guy. There's going to come a time where your career is going to end. You're not going to have everything that you had before. Yep. What do you want to be remembered as? It sounds like the legacy is something that play, you know, is very important to you. It is. It's like, I feel like, you know, players, uh, it's like looking online, there, there's some people that are saying negative things um, about the Panthers. And it's like, well, you don't own the team. You don't pay their salaries. You don't know. The, the players go out there every day to win games. They don't want to lose. But do you think they want to go out and lose a game and then have you sit there talking trash online? It's like, who are you? They're they're the ones out there, you know what I mean, playing the game. They're the ones that have to deal with losing. So what they need is for people to support them. Right. Because if once they start winning games, you're going to jump on the bandwagon and be like, oh, I was here the whole time. When you're losing games is when you need your fans the most. Yeah, and I mean, as 
it's frustrating when when I see people, you know, you, everybody's allowed to criticize, and you know, by all means, you're a fan, you know, you can you can root for the team however you choose, but anybody who watches them on a, you know not even on a daily basis, just watching game to game, but now particularly, you know, for me covering the team day to day, like you see how hard they work when the cameras are off, how much work they put in behind the scenes how hard they're busting their asses in practice. Like anybody that would say, oh, these guys don't care tonight or they're not trying tonight or they don't want to win. Like, that is the biggest bullshit that you can possibly say. You want to criticize them for making a mistake? Fine, mistakes happen. But anybody that would question their drive or their effort, like these guys are putting their blood, sweat, and tears in it every day. Yeah, and it's like, and it's sometimes you're going to play a team, they're going to be bigger, they're going to be faster, they're going to be better, and you could do the best you can to try and win the game, but... You I mean, that's sports. You know, that's hockey. That's why they play 82 games because that's that's everything in music. There are some times where all the pieces fall in line. You go on stage and something just doesn't click and it's just not the great show. But you know what you do? You give 100 percent. You make the best of it. And then you hope that for what didn't go right for some people was great for others. Well, talking about the idea of leaving a legacy and, you know, that longstanding view Something that I wanted to ask you about is you, your band is leaving quite a legacy. You guys are viewed as almost pioneers in your genre, which is pop punk the proper term for that genre, would you say? Yeah, for us, it's like we're just kind of we'll embrace whatever you want to call us as right. long as you're talking <laughs> about us. So for us, like starting out, we weren't like, oh, we're going to start a pop punk band. For, for us, the thing with our band is that everyone in our band likes different kinds of music. So when we would sit in a room to write songs, I mean, there's like, I like a lot of like pop music, you know what I mean? Like, you know, Carly Rae Jepsen and like Britney Spears and like stuff like that. So, <laughs> Call Me Maybe is the only song that played twice at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so like Cyrus, he loves everything, like everything on the radio. Okay. You know, Chad likes everything from like Bjork to They Might Be Giants to like hate breed, you know what I mean? He's got a wide range of stuff that he likes. And I like like eighties hair band metal. You know what I mean? <laughs> Our singer likes every band that you've never heard of. Okay. So when we're sitting in a room and writing songs, everyone's input and ideas are coming from a different place. Um, so Chad is the main songwriter in our band and he'll be like, all right, here's this song. And then Cyrus will be like, well, instead of going Cyrus is very good with like notes and like, music and like piano he cyrus could play like every instrument so he'll be like oh well don't you want to go to like an a flat here instead you know he's thinking like chords okay and then try to be like oh well i never thought of that and then i i may say something a lot of my ideas are kind of out in left field so <laughs> sometimes i'll say something and they'll you know we'll try it and they'll be like nah it's not going to work but sometimes that'll spark another idea like oh instead of doing that let's do that so i feel like with us what makes us we're kind of a mixture of like rock and roll punk rock pop music um hardcore it's just a mixture of kind of everything that's why yeah. you kind of never know what you're gonna get sometimes you get a ballad sometimes you get one that's heavy yeah that was gonna be the what i was gonna follow that up with was like you listen to one of your albums and you could have like you know just going song to song to song you could have you know a high energy you know big fun song you could go down to like a low ballad type of a slower song and then you could get something with a you know a ton of guitar and just a big rock sounding song and it's just so diverse so hearing you know how everybody has such different backgrounds it's starting to make sense yeah and then what makes us newfound glory is just jordan's voice because yeah. jordan he doesn't really sound like anyone else he just sounds like him so that's what kind of like 
puts all the pieces together. That was what stood out to me when I first heard you growing up was that it was Jordan's voice and just how fun the music was. It was just fun to listen. And, and then once you start going to shows, I mean, I, I've been to a decent amount of rock shows in my, you know, 30 some odd years of life. And I, I, I don't think I have any more fun than when I'm at your shows. It's, it's not just you guys on stage, but it's like everybody knows. All right, now it's time to go crazy. Now it's time to just sing every song as loud as you possibly can. And it's just a lot of fun. I always said, like, I feel like our, our albums are kind of like the soundtrack to our live show. I remember I had a, uh, uh, a friend of a friend out in California. Um, and he's like, well, he wants to come hang out. I forgot. I, I forgot. I think he worked for... I feel like he worked for like the Anaheim Ducks or something. I, I don't even remember, but it was a friend of a friend. He's like, Hey man, will you get him in? He wants to like come hang out and talk sports. He's like, but he doesn't really like your band at all. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> care. So he, I get him into the show. I was like, you know what? Like we hung out, you know, talked about sports during the day. I was like, I'm going to put you on the side of the stage with your friend. I was like, if, if you stay for a few songs and you don't like it, feel free to leave. You know what I mean? But just watch a few songs. And this is coming from someone that didn't like our band. Then once he saw us live, he stayed for the whole show. And now he like likes the music. But I feel like our records are kind of like, we're just a live band. You know what I mean? We, we're a lot better live than we are on record. Well. Not saying our records are yeah. not good. <laughs> I, but it's like. Yeah, I, your I shows like, are I like, so much fun. I like playing live more than I like recording records. Well, I can imagine it's like playing in a game or as opposed to practicing or watching game film. But I just, yeah, I can absolutely attest. Like some of the most fun I've ever had at shows. I, I can just think over the years, I'm going through in my head. Like I can think to, like we were talking about before, the first time I ever saw you guys, I can remember at the old Button South down in Hallandale Beach, which is now a strip club. Um, but I mean, you know, as I said before, I've seen you guys on Warp Tour in New Jersey. Um, I've seen you at Revolution down here. And it's just always so much fun. And like, yeah, I remember the last time I was up on a balcony at Revolution and like hanging off of it the entire time, just streaming every song. And everybody was just so into it. Uh, I don't know, it's just, I love it. Like I'm looking forward to the next time you guys are going to play down here. Thank you. That, that's like the, my biggest thing. It's like everyone now with the internet, I feel like everyone thinks they have an opinion and everyone thinks their opinion matters. Um, so for me, it's like, listen, if you don't like my band and you've seen us live and you still don't like my band, cool mm. if, if everyone liked our band we'd be playing stadiums so you talk about liking to do live shows and, and talk about making albums talk to me about making a music video like I, that just seems like uh i don't know anything about what it would take to make a music video but you guys have made some really unique fun ones you know i mean obviously some of the cover songs that you've done music videos to like i think recently i've watched you as guys as frozen characters skating around roller rinks i mean just you know it's like you don't take it too seriously. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, I'm a little, I'm obviously a little bit out there. I'm not the most normal person ever. Um, but a lot of times for me, I'll be crazy when I, well, like when I'm not being filmed. And then once I realize that I'm being filmed, I kind of freeze. Right. So for me, I, I hate doing videos. My favorite part of the video is when they're like, all right, you're done. And then just waiting for it to be edited and see how it turned out. I know that it's necessary to do videos, but I've just never been the biggest fan of doing them. See, I, maybe because your bandmates get so into it, it doesn't really show at all. But, but yeah, I mean, when I picture a video, like I can, I can see Jordan kind of going crazy and chat up there. But yeah, I'm trying to, I can just 
trying to picture it in my head, but yeah, I mean, you're just strumming your guitar, doing your thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's hard to, the hardest part of doing videos is your first video of your record cycle, because a lot of times you record a record and they're like, all right, this is the first single we're going to do a video. So you're doing a video for a song that you've never played live yet. So even though you're pretending and you're not really playing when you're in the video, you're not like plugged in, you still kind of don't know how to like rock out to that song. Yet. Right. You know what I mean? You're still kind of remembering what you played. You have to go back and what did I record? You know what <laughs> I mean? Figure out your part again. But it's like the first couple of times you ever play that song kind of together on stage, it's being filmed. Right. Which doesn't really count because like it's not on stage. You're not able to just kind of cut loose and yes. do whatever feels natural. So it's like if you play the song for, you know, a month, you know what I mean? You play the song live 15, 20 times. Yeah. It may be a little easier to like shoot the video. Yeah. You got a feel for it. You, gotta, you know how each other's going to react. You know, you can kind of play off of each other at certain points of the song. But then like the acting parts, that's when that's when it gets weird. Cause you never like, you don't, I don't write the, you know, the script. So I, I don't write the treatment. So they'll be like, Oh, you're doing this. Or you're doing that. I remember, uh, um, it's not your fault video. They're like, yeah, you're going to water a plant. And I'm like, <laughs> like what? Okay. And like, so I still get my balls broken from buddies. Like, remember you watered the plant in that video. <laughs> so you just kind of never know what you're getting yourself into. And talking about videos, one cool thing that I've always remembered, uh, one of the stupid movies that I've always liked is The Benchwarmers. And in that movie, in one of the fun scenes where they're you know knocking on doorknobs and or knocking on doors and running away, is one of your songs, which I love. I, I can't think of any other movies that I've heard uh, any of your songs in. But I'm curious, like, how do you, how does that come about? Like, do they approach you, or do you try to talk to people and get in? Like, how, you know, what's the so process? At that time, we were on a major label. Um, you're on a major label and you have a publishing deal. It's really the publishing companies. So basically what will happen is you're on a major label and you'll have a publishing deal through a company. They'll give you X amount of dollars up front and then they go and shop your song around, um, to try to get it and stuff to make their money back. Um, so they'll kind of pitch you for different movies. Um, and then you'll, kind of get offer hey like we got an offer to be in this movie do you want to do it and then you just kind of say yes or no um so i feel like it was probably just like universal publishing that kind of shopped around um to get us in that movie but it's pretty cool because um one of my buddies um his brother-in-law is adam sandler so i remember he said to him he's <laughs> like when i met adam the one time that i met him he's like hey man this is ian he's in newfound glory they had a song in bench warmers you right know? So that was, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That was pretty exciting. Did he know who you guys were? Uh, he knew the band name. Yeah. Huh? But I don't think yeah. he really listens to us, but he seemed like more of a Dave Matthews, real big fish kind of guy. <laughs> but, um, one, one thing that I think is really neat that, um, that I've now know is kind of a thing with you is you're very meticulous about your guitar picks. You've got some very unique, cool ones that you even had a little gift bag for me today, which is super cool. But like when we met at the Panther game, like I know you had got special ones made up that say, I just met Ian from newfound glory at a Panthers game. So like, you know, why, why are guitar picks such a cool thing? So for me, when I was 13 for my birthday, my older brother, Nevin got me a ticket to see Metallica in Tallahassee. So I flew to Tallahassee by myself, hung out for the weekend, went to see Metallica with them, and I caught two picks from Jason Newstead. Um, this was like on the uh, on the Black Album tour. 
Um, dating yourself so, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I gave, I gave my brother one of them and then I kept the other one, which I still have. And I started collecting guitar picks over the years. So I like, I will trade them for like other bands picks. Um, so now it, it started out where every tour I would try to just do a new pick design. Um, so I'd make a pick design and then I'd print up, you know, what, like 600 of them or something for the tour. Um, and then as time went on, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to print 600 picks instead of getting one design with 600, I'm going to print six different designs and make a hundred of each. That way I could have more picks. Yeah. And the more picks I have, the more I can trade to other people to get other bands picks that I don't have. So I was like on, I'm in like a Facebook group where you go online and I'll say like, Hey man, I'll trade you these 15 newfound glory picks. And then I'll take three Metallica picks, like a green day pick like this. And that's how I'll get picks from all these other bands. Um, so for me, picks is just, that was like the coolest, one of the coolest things of being in a band is just having your own guitar pick. You know what I mean? Sure. Besides like being sponsored by like Ernie ball for strings and seeing your name on the back of the package. That's pretty surreal. Also, right. Knowing that when I grew up, I'd have to go to the store and spend, you know, 28 bucks on a pack of strings. Now I could just call them up and say, Hey, I need strings. And they come <laughs> and like my name's on the back. It's like being a pro athlete and getting like hot, your own hockey sticks, your own goalie pads. Yeah. But it's like, I want that too, but I just, <laughs> I just can't skate or play hockey. Well, yeah, you know, but you, you can play guitar pretty well. So, um, so that was kind of the thing. And then, uh, I'll make like guitar picks for fun. Sometimes we, you know, I'd go, I go to a lot of games with my wife and there'd be people that would come up and be like, Hey man, can I get a picture and take a picture with someone? And I was always thinking like, you know, what can I like carry that small that I could just give them something just so they could be like, Oh, that was cool. Like look what I got. Yeah. And I just made those picks for fun. How long ago did you come up with that? Um, just before this season. I oh mean, yeah. I, I, a lot of times I'll have like a couple of picks in my car. If I meet someone out, I go grab it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I figured why not make one just special for the Panthers games? You know what I mean? I, I, I think it's awesome. I'm very proud that you uh, gave me one. I, I'm going to add my, my little pick collection now. Yeah, I went. Uh, I put in a reorder, too. I was like, could you change the front design just a little bit so they're different? Because I ran out of the first 100. Oh, yeah? Um, so I guess I'd met, I don't know, 80 or 90 people at the game so far this year. That's and neat, then though. People post them online, and then people will look for me at games. <laughs> hey, man, do you have any of those picks? That's... So it's like, just kind of makes it fun. Well, you're, you're the guitar pick guy. Yeah. So, you know, it's a cool thing. Uh, I know like you've become a big Panther fan now, which is very cool. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the transition to becoming a Panther fan? What, what turned you finally? To, I mean, what do you, you even got Panthers colored shoes on right now? Yeah. So I, uh, I, the biggest thing I think when the beginning was probably when Kirk Muller was down here, um, just getting to watch him play. Um, but there would still be, you know, I'd root for the Panthers, but then when they're playing the Devils, I was like kind of trapped. Like, who do I who do I want to root for? I like both teams. Um, for me, I think a couple of years ago, uh, just watching Keith Yandel, I think he was kind of the player that I wanted to see play every game. You know what I mean? I liked like, uh, you know, just like during watching practice and kind of seeing the kind of repetition and the things he kind of – he, he seems like he kind of has like OCD a little bit or where he has like a set thing. And I got to do this every practice in order to stay in the same mode and do the same thing. Yeah. And I, I like that. 
there's like, I don't even know how to explain it. There's this, the best part of practice every day uh, is this part where Yandel's just kind of standing side by side and he'll be doing this little back and forth motion. <laughs> a little shimmy. Yeah, before he like goes up to kind of take a shot in the net. And me and my wife, I feel like that's kind of <laughs> our favorite part. Well, that, that and that and uh, when uh, when Borgie was playing, he would always like come over in the spot where we stood and he'd always like wave hello. I remember one time uh, after a game, me and my wife went out to eat. The place we wanted to go to stopped serving. So we went to Pasquale's Pizza. So we're sitting in the pizza shop and um, two guys in suits walk over. Um, so I go up to fill my drink and I go back to the table. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, babe, that's Borgie over there. <laughs> so I, I liked Borgie from the year before he came up like the last few games of the season. Yep. Um, so I was a fan then. Um, she loved uh, Yuho Lamico. So um, I sit down at the table and I went to refill my drink and I'm like, I'm, and I like, I'm the sort of person where I don't really want to bother people in public you know what i mean that's kind of they just played a game you know right just leave them alone they're just trying to get some food but yeah. then i saw lamico it, and i, I say it's so you know i sit down and i'm like i'm like babe that's lamico <laughs> over there she's like shut up i'm like i'm like david borgie and lamico over there she's like shut up <laughs> i'm like all right so i get up and i'm like man like i hate to bother you guys but like my wife's a huge fan like can we get a picture I like throw her under the table because I don't want to be like well, a huge fan and make my wife. Um, so like, yeah, of course. So they come over and me and my wife get a picture with them. Um, I feel like I don't even know if I took a picture. I know I took a picture of her. But um, ever since we met Borgie at that pizza place, every game he would come over and see us and kind of like give us a little smile or a little wave. And for us, like that that was awesome you know what i mean that's that's kind of like what makes hockey players yeah. so unique you know it's like he didn't have to do that and it's like to him he's probably like oh i recognize them you know it's not a big deal but i think it's cool and that's the same thing that i do like on tour with the band is i just just try to be a real person right. be friendly a smile can go a long way hey, absolutely no it's and i you know i've said this earlier but i just love that you have that mentality where like, you're not just up there kind of doing your job like you are doing it almost like you know to benefit the fans for the people that are out there cheering for you singing along with you and just the the mutual appreciation i feel like it's really refreshing to hear i love i love hearing you talk about that it's very cool um best memory at the bb and t center that you can think of best panthers game what you know what what pops in your head best memory um i would probably have to say um at the end of last season, um, the last game, I had uh, sent uh, Borgie a message on Twitter and um, asked him for one of his sticks. And uh, at the end of the game, me and my wife went over on the other side where the players kind of leave, and he handed his stick up to us as he left the ice. That's very cool. So I think that was probably the coolest moment. Well, hopefully you get some playoff games in there. Have you been to any NHL playoff games before? I have not. Just baseball. Base, oh. what, what baseball playoff games have you been to? Um, that game six in the 86 World Series. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's my claim to fame. That's, that is pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. One thing that I definitely wanted to ask you about was you said that sometimes when you're out on tour uh, and there's a Panther game going on, you'll either have your phone on stage with you checking the score of, or some fans actually know 
to show you their phones and say, here's the, here's the score. I mean, that's, that's gotta be really neat. Yeah. The, uh, I remember when we just recorded this last record, um, I was so stressed out because I kept missing the games, uh, because my friends like, Oh, just go on, go on Reddit. And I can't, I can't figure out how to like stream <laughs> stuff online. Right. So I was like, I'm just going to like pay for a month of the NHL app. That way I can just watch the Panthers game. So I would legit be like tracking songs for this new album with my iPad on and the game next to me. <laughs> so I'd be like stopping, like, hold on one second. I'd look down and they'd be like, Dude, come on, man. Like we're recording an album. Here. Hey guys, we got a power play. Okay. Just hold on a second. <laughs> so there'd be like, there'd be times where I feel like we would almost try to schedule it where like, I'd be like to Jordan, like, Hey man, like, don't you want to sing now? You know what I mean? <laughs> now, way, now would be a good time. He could sing and I could sit in the lounge and watch the game. <laughs> Um, but yeah, sometimes on tour we'll be on stage and people will be showing me the score on their phone, which is not always easy to see because I have, I don't wear my glasses on stage. So I'll kind of be in the front <laughs> kind of squinting, trying to see the score. That's um, hilarious. Sometimes I'll have it on my phone off to the side where like my tech's at. Yeah. So when I go to switch guitars in between blocks, I can kind of take a quick glance down <laughs> and see the score. Oh man, that's so cool. I, I just, I love it. Uh, you're just, you're just a fan. You're just a fan that happens to be in a, in a band that, you know, it's kind of popular. Um, Ian, I, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me. I, I'd sit here and I'd go with you for another hour if we could, but I know we'll, we've got adult grown up things that we have to go do in our lives. But, um, but thanks so much, man. I, it's really been a pleasure chatting with you and just talking a little bit about your history as a Panther fan and as a founding member of my favorite band, the Newfound Glory. Thank you so much for having me, man. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll be celebrating some Panthers playoff games at some point this year as well. That's what I'm hoping for as well. All right. Thanks a lot, Ian. And thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, episode number 14 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. As always, please uh, give me a good rating, subscribe. Feel free to reach out on Twitter. Let me know what you think of the podcast. And uh, we will be back with the next episode for you real soon. So David's worth signing off, everybody. Have a good one.